0: How is it with your soul? This is the question addressed by Indiana area Bishop Julius Tribble as he encourages us all on episode number 26 of the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller.
1: So it's well with my soul, but I have given myself permission to lament from time to time. So every day, every day is not a day where I wake up not thinking about the fact that it's not well with everybody's soul. I wish I wish it would be well for, uh, for all.
2: Welcome to the United Methodist People Podcast with Rev. Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes that strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church is essential to accomplishing the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world through conversation and commentary. And now, here's Brad. Hello, good people, and indeed a
0: warm welcome to episode number 26 of the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. Our purpose here is through conversation and commentary to strengthen the connection in the United Methodist Church. You can go to our website, unitedmethodistpodcast.com, for a number of back episodes of the podcast discussing issues of the church, as well as go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash United Methodist Podcast and be a connection to us as well. On our website, we have a free gift for you. Today, we are being encouraged by Bishop Julius Trumbull to really share and speak into our lives a word of encouragement. Today, we're in this post-Easter period where we're learning how to do church again, to do life again in this time of pandemic, this time of quarantine. And it speaks to today about trusting God first and foremost and always. We deal a little bit with some, some of the matters before the church about when our churches are going to reopen or a plan or a process along that. We're going to talk about the impact on some of the things we do in church, like our worship services and funeral services and our ministries to helping people who are hungry. But we focus in primarily on the spiritual life of the individual and how we use our time in quarantine. And we deal specifically with the question, how is it with your soul? Enjoy now this, com- this conversation with Bishop Julius Trimble. Bishop, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Brad. It's uh, been my pleasure to be able to connect with you and to connect with the listeners uh, across the country and maybe even possibly across the globe, uh, yeah, indeed, during, indeed. especially during this time.
0: Yes. Well, this time is now past Easter. Okay, we are speaking on the 20th of April, uh, 2020, and we're in the middle of this crazy corona pandemic, which has impacted so much, and we've gone past Easter now, and now we're into Easter Tide, and we're in this season now, and I'd always just like to get a feel from you about uh, your feeling about kind of what's God got in mind for us next during this time when we have gone through the high of Easter, and now we are into this time of Eastertide. This is
1: a time I think we really need to uh, reflect upon what does it mean for us to be Easter people, or those who have celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter in a way in which we probably cannot ever remember celebrating before. Uh, some would argue that maybe thousands of more people celebrated it in some of our churches because we were uh, worshiping online. But it certainly was not our normal Easter experience. But there's a passage that I've been uh, resonating with for the last couple of days, post-Easter, from 1 Peter one twenty one. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. And that is so important at this critical moment in history. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Uh, Many would argue that the central core of our Christian faith is the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, uh, and we have a living God, a living Christ who lives and dwells with us. So this is uh, certainly a a different post-Easter time, uh, and it's a challenging time for us to continue to be the church uh, in real and relevant ways uh, with so many people hurting, so many people out of work now, and so many uh, thousands of people who have already died as a result of the COVID 19. I think we are, we're post 40,000 people in the United States alone uh, who have died from COVID 19.
0: It takes your breath away, doesn't it? It really does me uh, in terms of the extent of the uh, hurt and the struggle and the, uh, the adversity that folks are facing. And we as a church are called to speak into people's lives and their points of pain. Yeah, we have some, our own points of some pain and some struggle as well, including the fact that we have a lot of churches that have, you know, not been meeting for a number of weeks now. And we hear some talk from our governors and so on, and from some of our national officials about reopening the country economically and so on. And let's talk a little bit about where we're at in terms of the church, you know, in terms of getting back into worshiping live in our sanctuaries and some other aspects of getting the church back engaged. We're already engaged. I get that. But but, uh, what is the thinking? What are some of the thoughts about what is next for our churches in terms of getting back together?
1: Well, I've made recommendations in the past relative to us not worshiping. uh, And I know people are really looking at the end of April of being the end of that last uh, recommendation that we not worship in in public or, or, or crowds gather in public. Uh, so I, I depend upon uh, signals and the updates from the governor of our state, the governor of Indiana. As many as many uh, clergy persons and judicatory leaders are looking to their governors to give signals or, or to give uh, uh, the, the recommendations from the state health officials about around when get when crowds can gather, uh, when business can open, and when. Uh, uh, crowds can gather that are larger than 10 or 50 or even 100 people. So I look to the governor and and the Center for Disease Control, CDC, as well as uh, local health officials, um, and I I take their advice and share that information uh, with our churches and and congregations. I anticipate that we will not be uh, worshiping in our sanctuaries for the next several weeks uh, and that may even be longer than that. And when we do go back, it is probably based upon what our governor may indicate. There may be a phase. For example, if you if you're worshiping less than uh, uh, if you're worshiping ten people, uh, then maybe you can come back sooner than those who are worshiping fifty. If you worship more than fifty or worship more than a hundred on an average Sunday, that may be there may be a week or two later than those groups that can come back. So I know people are anxious to know when does this end? When do we we all, all of a sudden go back to the way it was? Uh, I don't think we're going to go back to the way it was um, for some time. Uh, that means it may be a phasing in of, of uh, gatherings of groups that are larger than 10.
0: So just to be clear about it, it looks that unlikely that we'll be back to worship in terms of, you know, personal worship in our sanctuaries uh, well into May, you know, it looks, that's uh, unlikely from yeah, what I'm mid,
1: mid-May, Mid-May would probably be the earliest. And yes. in, the next, in the next 48 hours, based upon if the governor gives an update, uh, I've already received, for example, information that the the federal government has indicated in, in recent, uh, one of the president's updates that they wanted to have 14 days of declining cases before the society is open up mm. for, for regular businesses to opa, open up. That hasn't happened yet. So we still have an increase in cases in our state, uh, not a dramatic increase. Uh, so we would need to have 14 days of declining numbers of people who, uh, who are being um, admitted for COVID-19 uh, who have been tested and found to be positive and, and admitted that hasn't happened yet
0: right well just the numbers itself or the the graph itself does not allow us to do that if that's the case you know you have to 14 days from the point of your uh, mm-hmm. uh, apex of the uh of the disease being happening and that hasn't happened yet and we this will be a, this will be a long anyway you uh, any way we look at it this is going to be a long drawn out affair anyway you look at it and our, our churches will have to figure out how to do things when they come back, for instance, there maybe have to be different seating arrangements. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe uh, uh, situations with masks or gloves or whatever, and this type of thing. I'll give you one example. I got, had, unfortunately I had a death in my church this past week. It was actually my, my organist who passed away in my church. And uh, so I'm working now with the funeral director on doing a funeral and we have to wait an extended period of time for some medical results and then there's going to be very stringent uh, uh, procedures for that. It's impacted us in all areas of church life, isn't it, this whole thing?
1: It most certainly has. I talked with the pastor last week who was uh, essentially doing a virtual funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and also persons who've, 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 who have uh, had to adapt the ways in which we're doing other things. Like, for example, there's a major feeding crisis in our country as a result of this. Sure, long, long lines of folks waiting to pick up uh, groceries and so forth. And the church has been an integral part of the social and spiritual safety net for the country. So we we have probably over 200 feeding stations related to United Methodist churches in the state of Indiana. So everything's been a, a, a changed uh, and it certainly has impacted pastors. I had one pastor who, who had a member who died from COVID nineteen, uh, but he could not go visit the person. Yes. In the hospital,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, the 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 memorial service had been put off. I think they were they had a private service for the family, and they were going to have a memorial service at a later point with the
0: church. Yeah, that's, so that's basically the plan we're doing has, with my Everything has changed. Mm-hmm. And it's not. And even when we get out of this, it's still going to be changed. Somehow or another I mean we 're not going to come out the same as where we were, and so we 'll have to figure that out and so let's let 's talk about how this new normal might come to place, and as we have this time that we have now with our clergy and our churches having this quarantine time in order to process this is what was going on we 're talking about how we do ministry and i 'd just like to talk to you about time and time management and use of our time in terms of uh, getting ourselves right. And I'd like you to speak to that. How can churches and clergy use their time well during this time of quarantine to uh, still be effective in ministry?
1: I think this is a great time for us to do more study, reflection, writing, uh, and communication with our congregations. Um, I I use disciplines by the upper room a daily devotion, disciplines, and I think clergy and 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 laypersons as well should embrace some kind of daily or weekly uh, spiritual discipline. That even if they have not been as uh, faithful in the past, this is like a new opp- new opportunity, new new opportunity, new opportunity for us to do this at this at this time. Um, and this has been helpful for me. I also like to write poetry. So I've been writing poetry and, and I've been inspired by my neighbors uh, and, and my wife and I, we have both made it our business to try to get out and walk every day and hmm. use that as a time for prayer walking. So sure. I would encourage the lay and clergy to consider if you're able to walk, to certainly get out and do that. If you're a journaling person, this is a great time to journal. If you uh, have not had a chance to really do some deep theological reflection, uh, embracing our theological task of, of looking at what does this moment in history say for us as it relates to our call to ministry. This is a time to reflect on our call to ministry as well.
0: Yeah. one of the excuses we sometimes use—I do—I'll speak for myself because I just don't have enough time. Well, now we got some time, don't we? <laughs> and uh, we don't have that excuse anymore. And, and speaking of how you use time, I would like for you to—you've mentioned it kind of in some of your parts, but would you describe just a little bit about your spiritual disciplines or maybe your discipline or habits of how you start your day or end your day or this type of thing? Maybe that might be a model to us or some uh, inspiration to us how to do that. I,
2: I start
1: today with the uh, 20, 23rd Psalm, the Shepherd Psalm, David's Psalm. Mm-hmm. So before I get dressed, uh, I start, start today with that as a reflection in a time of quiet reflection uh, then I get up and in, uh, in my home study, uh, do most days, do the upper room disciplines, which is a daily devotional, which follows the lectionary of uh, scriptures that many United Methodists and other other Protestants uh, and others use uh, for their preaching and for their Bible reading. Uh, that's a, That's a morning for me. I'm a morning person. I do my devotions in the morning our walks have tended to be in the afternoon. So uh, a morning devotion time, an afternoon walk uh, has, been, has been, what I have not embraced yet, which I, I was encouraged by our youngest son, was uh, our regular exercising, which we were doing three times a week at our gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so walking is, 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 my, is my substitute, but not nearly as vigorous as what I was doing when I was working out with a trainer. Um, my wife and I, when I regular exercise, so that part we need to re embrace And if I would just say, if you if you be, if you're used to exercising, uh, there's no excuse for not doing that, mm-hmm. uh, especially since God has given us the time. This one of my other disciplines is really a discipline that we all we speak of, but often have not been faithful to, and that is the discipline of being family. What does it really mean to be family? And so we have. Been intentional about connecting with family members, um, and often have been led by other family members who said, "Why don't we connect uh, via FaceTime or Google Duo or Zoom calls uh, with some family members that are sheltering in place?" And that's been that's been part of part of. Part
0: well, I think that's awesome. I mean, you, so, and sometimes we just have to find just find workarounds or new ways of doing things, and our particular family My, I have a son who's a senior in college who his whole senior year of college was blown up by this virus situation and we were going to take him he's a big harry potter fan and after school was out we our gift to him was to take him to uh, universal studios oh wow to do that of course, that's closed down now. So what we've had to do in our case, or chose to do, and by his incentive is to, now we have a, a Harry Potter film festival going on at our house every night. Okay, and I think there's like eight or nine of these movies, and they're like three hours a piece. So that's been our life, and it's okay. been Harry Potter. But my point is, we just try to make life work, you know, here, here mm-hmm. now, and your family, and that they get. That's awesome that that you're doing that with with, with your with your family. And, and we have to find some ways to do this on our own differently. You know, uh, for instance, some of our continued education events, our uh, spiritual development and personal development events, uh, either have been canceled or have been altered dramatically that have been opportunities for us to gather collegially as clergy and to find different ways of doing this. And maybe there's new ways of doing resourcing uh, to that. One of the things I want to get back to you, with Bishop, is what you said in the letter to all of uh, us clergy in Indiana, a lot of the United Methodist Indiana, a few days ago, was "How is it with your soul?" You asked us that question, so I want to ask you that question. You've been uh, going through a long stretch here too, my friend. Mm -hmm. How was it with your soul?
1: Thank you, thank you, Brad. I'm blessed. I'm blessed by the question itself, because whenever I receive it, just as I've received it from you, Brad. I know it comes from a sincere and a deep, deep place of concern for a colleague and for your bishop, but also a colleague and a friend. And it's well with my soul because I I know that people uh, care about me as an individual, um, and I, I I wish for others. I pray for others that there were per- persons who cared about them like I know I'm cared for. I get that from colleagues and. I get that from family members, of the affirmation and encouragement that I try to give to others. So it's well with my soul. Although I lament uh, when I see these numbers of deaths and I see the disruption, um, because I know that it's these are real. It's real people, and uh, while I don't have an immediate person in my family, I know that I'm only one or two people removed from someone who I know who's grieving. Um, so it's well with my soul. But I have I've given myself permission to lament from time to time. So every day, uh, every day is not a day where I wake up uh, not thinking about the fact that it's not well with everybody's soul. I wish, I wish it would be well for, for
0: all. Well, the biblical story is certainly one of lamenting and coming together, and and re- restoration of the covenant, and and part of being Easter people is knowing that we had to get through uh, the death of the cross to get to the resurrection, and now we live as people of the cross. But that doesn't mean we don't have the the pain of that. And so, uh, yes, appreciate your encouragement in that area. Well, before I ask you to do just some. Kind of thoughts, some devotional thoughts that you want to lay on us uh, that you want to share this to, today. Is there anything we need to, else we need to talk about, Bishop, regarding uh, for, oh annual conference, or jurisdictional conference, or general conference, or scheduling of any of those things that we just need to be kind of be updated on? I saw something about jurisdictional conference has been canceled now, but just can you give us any update on any of those things? I know there's going to be one days here and there, but just an update, please.
1: Well, we we keep repeating ourselves, and I think repetition is necessary in this particular space and time. Uh, but our annual conference has been postponed from June uh, to August the fifteenth, and then we'll have a second day in October. Uh, we will care for all of the the necessary things, uh, and for example, the ordination, and uh, uh, and we will certainly. Uh, Acknowledge uh, those who are retiring uh, this summer, and uh, acknowledge those who've gone on, who graduated to the Church Triumphant, those who have died since we last gathered. Uh, but I, I, I hope people will come to annual conference with a sense of, you know, um, of celebration and affirmation for one another, um, and to recognize how. The connection is still strong when we pray for one another and we continue to commit ourselves. We're still going to do stuff the bus, which is bringing school supplies for those in, Mar- for in, in Marion, the school district in Marion, Indiana. And so we're still going to focus on, on the fact that at this moment in history, we still need to lift up the importance of children in our society and in the state of Indiana. who are are part of the most vulnerable and marginalized during this period of time. So annual conference is postponed, but we still should plan to participate uh, in August the 15th meeting. Our general conference has been postponed to 2021. Don't know the exact date for that. We were planning to host the jurisdictional conference in Fort Wayne, Indiana in July. That has been postponed, but we will still uh, be the host for the jurisdictional conference in 2021 when we receive the dates. And we're hoping to still host that in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, the sooner we receive the dates, the sooner we'll be able to make those um, reservations and to uh, make sure we can host, host the way we would like to host as Hoosiers host. So those are some things I would say, uh, stay tuned. Because yeah, even when we go back to church, we will probably, we will be giving out some suggested guidelines for persons for congregations in terms of things they could put in place that might be helpful as we come back to worship together.
0: Mm -hmm. And just to kind of be clear, and we'll maybe talk about this in a future episode, but all the various things that were on the table at general conference regarding homosexuality and so Mm -hmm. on, and all the things at jurisdictional conference regarding election of bishops and so on, just to clarify, all that's been pushed forward a year. Is that basically how it's working? That is right.
1: That is absolutely right. Everything that we anticipated would happen in 2020 not everything, but all of those things you've mentioned have been pushed ahead to twenty twenty one so uh, things that things that may have implications for local congregations there may be some other things that still may happen between now and that time uh, but we the, the the matter of resolution, if you will, around human sexuality uh, and inclusion. Uh, We won't find a general conference resolution until 2021. And the general conference, Brad, as you know, is the only body that can actually officially speak for the whole denomination. So while bishops and the council of bishops have a role of interpreting to the church and to the world in between general conferences, we cannot initiate, as a body, changes in the book of discipline. That takes action from the General Conference, as does endorsing, as does uh, voting on a denominational budget. So we are living in a space where we are anticipating having a new budget adopted for 2021, beginning 2021, and we will not meet until some point in 2021. So we'll still be operating uh, under uh, a previous quadrennium budget, uh, which has implications for us in the moment. And we're actually working on our own budget, on what ways we can uh, uh, adapt our 2020 budget based upon the fact that we haven't been worshiping, and, and how do we approach 2021 when we would have not have adopted a general church budget. So all of the, every annual conference and is impacted by this, and in, indirectly, every local congregation is impacted by this.
0: Sure. Just our whole world's turned upside down is what it amounts to, isn't it? My goodness. It is. Thank, yeah. thank God that God is still God, though. <laughs> God is good all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah. well, how about giving us a, a, an encouraging word here today, uh, my friend, about whatever is God's laying in your heart to share with our listeners, uh, some encouraging words, and then we'll have a time of prayer.
1: Absolutely. Let me read from James, the book of James in the New Testament, chapter 3, verse 17. The wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. That's the wisdom of God, the wisdom from above. Wisdom. Awesome. Would you mind
0: praying for us, my friend?
1: Most certainly. God God bless every listener today and persons that... uh, uh, have tuned in to this podcast, oh God, every home that 's represented there, every hurting heart, every joyful heart, oh God, we thank you that that through technology that we have been able to stay connected with many people, and Lord, we look forward to the day when we 'll be able to see each other in our local congregations uh, in our community community meeting spots, coffee shops, and grocery stores, and be able to connect. Oh, God, we know that the world has changed and shifted. We pray for a cure to the COVID-19 and treatments that are effective for those who have been affected, infected. Oh, God, we just ask that you would bless those who are uh, frontline workers, not just the hospital workers, doctors, and nurses, but persons who deliver our mail and drive our trucks and stock our grocery stores. Oh, God, we ask that you bless the pastors, uh, of the United Methodist Church and, and every church, oh God, the faith leaders of all this country and throughout the globe, Lord, who are impacted by this COVID-19 and the space in which we live on. Oh God, we ask that you would grant peace to the world, particularly for those who are refugees and those who are migrating, seeking a place of safety and sanctuary. Bless us, oh God, to be a blessing, we who are Easter people declare that you are God And we love you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: I'm sure you are as thankful as I am to have a bishop like Bishop Julius Trimble to really be vulnerable with sharing with us some things in his life and to be encouraging to us even in the midst of some of the things he shared, including his laments about the pain that this great pandemic has caused. It is good to hear his voice and to be encouraged by him. And I want to give us just a couple of other takeaways that I think are important to reflect on. Just a couple of things. One is the matter of personal discipline. You heard him talk about his daily personal spiritual disciplines, how he does it well, and how he feels like he needs some areas to improve. I know I'm in that boat as well. I do some things well and need to improve. But the idea is to not stop and continue with personal discipline. And the other takeaway I want to uh, glean from our conversation was the importance of family, of family. One of the great things about the technology we have with Zoom and Facebook, uh, uh, Facebook and other things that we have is that we can connect with our families visually. And that's an important thing. And he mentioned how his family, there has been encouragement to do that and perhaps some, uh, some real uh, benefit of this process of spending more time with our families. It is good to be with you here on the United Methodist People podcast. My name is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. The purpose of this podcast is to improve the connection within the United Methodist Church through conversation and commentary. You can go to our website, which is unitedmethodistpodcast.com, for some back episodes of the podcast, which you may find helpful, and a free gift for you there. You can also connect up with us at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash United Methodist Podcast and we encourage you to head over to Apple Podcast and there to subscribe and rate and review the podcast. good to be with you here in the United Methodist People Podcast until next time I always like to leave you with a quote from John Wesley
2: the best thing of all is God is with us. Thanks so much for listening to the United Methodist People Podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller you can continue the conversation and commentary about strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church to accomplish our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Visit the United Methodist People podcast on the web at unitedmethodistpodcast.com and connect at facebook.com slash United Methodist Podcast. and always do all the good you can.